Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang. Welcome back, goalies, parents, and coaches. And you're now tuning back into the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and welcome back to the show and hope everyone is off to a great start uh, their, uh, to their week and, and sending you all nothing but positivity and, and good vibes uh, wherever you're at right now. Um, but I just want to drop uh, you know, a little quote uh, that really has stuck out to me for, for some time now that I, I want to share with you guys. And that quote is, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And for so long, this quote has you know stuck with me. And I know we're all going into recruiting season. And uh, I was thinking about putting together a solo episode regarding that line in the near future because, you know, that's that's really what hockey is, right? Hockey's putting yourself in, in the right place at the right time with the right people, playing to your best ability as often as you can. And, and when you do that and focus on the process, opportunity, you know, has a, has a way of finding you. And when things go well, people also have a habit of saying, you know, that was lucky, right? But everyone has to understand, you know, opportunity passes all by every single day. And you just have to know what it looks like. And it comes in many shapes and many different sizes and many different forms, right? And no one's going to shout from the mountains or paint it on the wall for you that, hey, this is your opportunity. You know, you have to understand that you need to be prepared and just be prepared for your shot, right? No matter when. You don't, you can't foresee when that is. You don't exactly know when that's going to be. But when it eventually comes, even a one in a million chance, it eventually comes you don't need two, you don't need three, you don't need four chances, you only need one. You're ready, and it changes the outset of your career. So just remember, you create your own luck, you know, by working hard and just doing the right things every day, even when no one's watching. On the recruiting side, on the play side, everything, right? Go out there and prepare, and soon opportunity will find you. And soon enough, people will be calling you lucky, even though you earned it. And it's just how life goes, right? People, people say that to me all the time. You know, you're so lucky, you know. You're so lucky you got this, or you're so lucky you got to play there. You're so lucky you had that. I worked my body to the bone every day of my career. Tooth and nail, blood, sweat, and tears. And I got buried in the basement of hockey politics. But one day my chance came in junior, you know. And after working for not just my whole career prior... But deliberately for four or five months, you know, going to affiliate with a junior team, trying to show them, you know, I can help them win games, trying to get up to speed. Four or five months on top of my own team, on top of my own training, on top of school, everything, right? To get my first junior start. And I worked. I did everything I could to just get one start. And when I got it, you know, I didn't just get the jacket, right? I won the game. And in a stolen fashion, too. We should never have won that game that I won my first game. And then they played me another, and I won, and then another, and I won. And next thing you know, all of a sudden I'm in the basement one night, and the next night, you know, my entire career is different because I played games at 16-year-olds as a, uh, in junior and won, right? So trust me, wherever you are in your career, you know, trust me when I say this, you create your own luck by just being ready all the time, when uh, being junior ready all the time, right? Whatever level you're trying to transition to. And when opportunity finally comes, things open up, right? There's a, there's a change. Oh, we need a guy to come in. Oh, we need this. We need that, right? 
opportunity comes in in many different forms and different sizes and you're ready to seize it and take advantage of it um you know meanwhile you've been you've been preparing you know your whole life to be an overnight success right so luck is when opportunity meets preparation remember that start working on yourself opportunity will find you you gotta understand that nobody's just gonna say to you hey this is opportunity like you know if your team's getting killed in a game that's opportunity right and any opportunity for you to stand out right you, you, you gotta understand that when the circumstances are against you that's typically the best opportunity to stick out right so luck is when opportunity meets preparation remember that guys uh but but diving into our guest today we have curtis muka and the goalie coach for the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL and longtime active goaltending standout prior as well, winning a CIS National Championship uh, with the University of Alberta when he played out West. And we dive uh, into all the difficulties he had transitioning to each level along his journey and the things he would change if he could go back. And we also dive into his coaching journey at the next level as well. And what exactly he looks for in goalies and where amateur goaltenders typically struggle the most when trying to transition to the junior level. And big shout out to Curtis for uh, making some time as he was in the hospital with his, you know, with his little girl at the time recording this interview. So can't thank him enough for making some time and sending him and his daughter our, our blessings and best wishes as she works through what she's going through right now. So thanks again, Curtis, for coming on the show. Really appreciate the time, man. Great meeting you. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump right into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat Curtis and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm super excited to be joined today by another incredible goalie mind, Former WHL and CIS standout goaltender, now turned WHL and AJHL coaching veteran in Western Canada, Curtis Muka. And Coach Muka grew up playing minor hockey in Alberta, Canada, before eventually moving on to play in the AJHL for a handful of games and then following that up with five years in the WHL, playing over 200 games in the league, uh, mainly for the Portland Winterhawks, as well as a handful of pro games in the ECHL during his tenure. And he eventually graduated from juniors to go play CIS hockey for the University of Alberta, playing almost 100 games in five years there, winning several personal accolades, as well as winning the CIS University Cup Championship in 2014. And since retiring, he's now spent the last six years coaching at the next level for the Edmonton Oil Kings, including several other minor hockey teams in Alberta, and additionally, the Sherwood Crusaders in the AJHL as well. Him and his team have had a massive success since he's joined the, the Oil Kings organization, and I couldn't be happier to welcome him to the show today to chat some goalie development. Curtis, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, no, doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, right on. Great to have you on and, and was pumped when you said you'd be interested uh, in, in coming. I know we haven't met before, but obviously your your resume speaks for itself and, and playing and coaching at the next level for so long now and uh, just being such an integral part of, of one of the top organizations in, in all of major junior hockey. I knew you'd just uh, be a, freak, a great fit. So really excited to have you, but hope you're doing well and, and, and just wondering how things are kind of going during COVID so far and, you know, maybe uh, detail to us some of the challenges you and your goalies have uh, had to overcome. Yeah, no, you're right. It has been difficult, um, so, you know, especially in Alberta. There, the lockdowns kind of come and go, and it's been it's been tough. There's certain times where you know we can't get even get into ranks and all, so we're you know trying yeah. to do some stuff over Zoom or just some video review and whatnot. And then when we get into the ranks, it's limited numbers and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, it's it's diff it's been a year of you know trying new things, which has been kind of cool. You know, we you learn a lot about 
different ways to get through to the kids and, and whatnot. So there's, there's that, that's kind of a positive, I guess, of the COVID situation. Um, yeah. But it has been tough. It's not definitely not a normal year where we can just, you know, work through our on ice plan. We have to really lean on different things and it's been, it's been tough, but we're hopefully we're getting through, through the worst of it here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, good luck to everybody out there and, and obviously, you know, uh, wish you and your guys and, and your teams the best of luck as we kind of, you know, move into the spring here. I know playoffs are sort of right around the corner, but, but maybe you can just start off, you know, by briefly sharing a bit of your story and your background and, you know, how we got to where we are today. Yeah, no, um, I, I grew up in Sherwood Park, Alberta here, and that's where I played my minor hockey. Um, always on fairly good teams, which, which kind of, you know, helped the exposure and, and my development a little bit. And, was fortunate yeah. to be drafted by Portland in the second round of the the Bantam draft and yeah and uh, you know went went there as a as a 16 year old I played a few games in the AJ before before I went to Portland um, mm-hmm. and then uh, like I said played played at 16 um, in in the with the Windhawks and a couple injuries kind of forced me into uh, a couple injuries of other goalies on, on my team sorry and and I yeah. and I'm getting I played about 30 or 40 games as a 16 year old, which is, is pretty rare. So that was yeah. it was good to get a lot of games early on in the career. And then, you know, we kind of went through a bit of a rebuilding portal. We didn't have some of the, some of the best teams. We we kind of rebuilt it up, and and I kind of had a bad timing for junior hockey. But it was you know I, I love my time in Portland. It was a great place to play, and I chose to use the you know, the WHL scholarship package, which was an unbelievable program for the players and. Yeah. Was uh, had five great years at the U of A uh, for the Golden Bears and, and unbelievable teams. It made my job really easy. So um, that was the great life experience, and I'm really happy for that. And I kind of just parlayed my connections in hockey world into a coaching career, and it's something that I I, I love to do. And I'm really glad I kind of that was the path that I chose to do after school. So um, now I'm fully immersed in the coaching world, and I love just helping young athletes and young goaltenders you know, try and reach their potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you kind of brought up that uh, you, you played a significant amount of junior games at a young age. And, and so kind of rewinding all the way back, you know, going through your career a bit, uh, playing in both the AJHL and the WHL, you know, when you're 50 and 16 years old, which is which is amazing, like you said, is rare. Um, but back then, you you know, when you were trying to make that transition to junior, you know, where did you kind of struggle the most of the time at, at such a young age? I, I think at that 15 year old age, I think it's, you just see the, uh, just get caught up in everything, you know, the, the atmosphere, you're the really young guy, there's 19, 20 year old guys in the room. And you know, obviously the pace of play is a lot quicker and the shot speed and all that stuff. But I think for me, yeah. it was just, you know, you're, you're kind of thrust into a, a team that's also in mid season too. It's not a training camp and a nice progression into the year. You're, you're kind of thrust in middle of the season towards the end of the season. And, and you just try and just kind of, fit in and you don't want to get in the team's way because you know when I was in the AJ they're they're we were getting ready for playoffs and whatnot so I just kind yeah. of hopped in just just tried to do my thing and, and let the team do their thing and, and just kind of help them out when they need, needed it so a little bit different you know in terms of the the timing of the season jumping into it but it was a great experience it was awesome to be around some really good players too yeah and, and then you went obviously went on to have the you know, an awesome career in the WHL for many years. But if you could kind of go back to those initial days when you were, you know, trying to make that jump to major junior, what's one thing that you would go back and tell yourself if you could? Um, you know what? There's a few things that, that definitely come to mind. I think, uh, you know, I think putting priorities uh, where they needed to be. And then training has come a long ways since then as well. But I think having maybe a bit better of a game plan in the summertime um in the off season would, would have helped my, my development a little bit better and, and not to say that I was lazy or I didn't work hard but just more yeah. of a 
you know, targeted approach and certain things that I needed for my game and, and just the knowledge and what there is to, to focus on. And I think, you know, you see that a lot now and I help kids do that all the time. Like in summer, we have a great plan for, for the goalies I work with and it's, you know, it's tailored to what they need. So I think maybe just more of a detailed plan and, and kind of outlining the steps you need to, to follow to get to the next level would have been probably something that would help me back then. Yeah. And then, and then you go on to play over 200 games in the WHL and, and mainly playing for, for Portland, but you know, even the experience you had pre from previous years in, in junior, right. Uh, what was initially kind of, you know, the, the hardest part about transitioning to the major junior full time uh, and, and being a starter eventually. Yeah. I, you know, I think the initial challenge in for me personally, wasn't the actual shot speed or accuracy. I think it was just more the pace of play, like things happen way quicker than they do at minor hockey. Yeah. So, you know, you're skating, you gets, gets uh, challenged immensely. You're, you're, you know, you're positioning to some degree as well. And obviously the, the harder shots and more accurate shots are a part of it. But mm-hmm. I found that came a lot quicker than the, uh, the pace of play is just so much quicker. The play is on top of you right away. You got to be able to, to adjust to that. And I think the goalies that do that quicker are the ones that can, you know, maybe get into that starting role a little bit easier and, and get yeah. some more minutes and, and get the results they want. So for me, that was probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. And then I guess, it, you know, kind of wrapping it up, um, you know, what's probably the biggest thing you learned throughout your major junior career that, you know, eventually went on to, to play CIS and, and had a lot of success at, at that level. But what was kind of the-, the the thing that really helped me excel, sorry, excel at the CIS level they learned from junior was, was probably just to like trust the training and trust all the hours that I did put in. Um, and when you, you know, the schedule is a lot different at the CIS level. Like you only play weekends and it's two games. So you can really prepare for those two games. And I just think right. trusting the work you put in Monday to Thursday for that Friday, Saturday game is, is what's going to get you the results that you want. So I, and I learned a lot of things from playing in the Western hockey league, but I think, you know, as I got older, I probably simplified my approach even more, even more so. Um, and I think that kind of helped me. I didn't, I wasn't overthinking. I wasn't overplaying things. I just went out there and trusted what I've done and, and it, it you know, yeah. worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah, and then moving on to your, your collegiate career, you know, you played almost uh, 100 games, including playoffs, uh, winning several personal awards over, over your years there. But uh, what was sort of the initially the, the big surprise when you, you know, you, you took advantage of that scholarship that you, you got from the WHL? But when you kind of first made that transition from junior, uh, major junior to uh, CIS University hockey, what, what surprised you the most? Uh, you know, a couple of things like the, the hockey is really good hockey. Like it's all ex CHL players, some other junior A players as well. And it is like, it's really, really good hockey. It's almost a little hidden gem in Canada. It's, you know, it's guys that, that all of those guys or a bunch of them definitely could be playing professionally, but, and some did and came back to school, but others just want to get their, their degree and then maybe try pro after. So it's, it is really good hockey. Um, it's kind of second thing for me, just going from my Portland years where I faced a ton of shots. The U, the, you know, the U of A Golden Bears, I, I was, it was a complete opposite. I'd get, you know, 15 to 25 shots a night, you know, and it was way different. And, and yeah. not that it was way easier. It was almost harder in certain. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes that's the challenge is seeing fewer shots, right? Yeah. hundred percent. So I would, you know, it was, there's some nights where I like, I can't get into a game because I had two shots in the first period. And, and then you all of a sudden you get a breakaway in second, right? So it's <laughs> a little more challenging, but it was, again, yeah. I, I was, uh, fortunate to be on some really good teams with the gold Bears. yeah so how did you kind of deal with that uh that transition going from a lot of shots to like a little like would you make changes in terms of your mental routines or anything like that at the time like i actually sought out just some just the mental coach just to help with certain things because that was the right. mental side was the biggest challenge for me like i know if i got 35 shots with the you know 
the Golden Bears, which wasn't very often, I'd be fine. I'd get in the game early and be good. But I, I just yeah. thought just some assistance on the mental side of it, just, you know, switching your mind frame to more positive thinking when you're, you got mm-hmm. so much time in your own end to just kind of sit there, For right? Sure. So just kind of, you know, your mind frame and your approach to all the situations and just thinking about it positively, not, you know, what if happens this or your bad scenarios, right? So, right, right. So sticking to a lot of like uh, a lot of positive self-talk is kind of what you stuck to. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And I found, I mean, it definitely helped get me through some of those tough times for sure. Yeah. 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 And then your third year there, uh, you know, you had a breakout season getting named to the CIS all Canadian first team, uh, the CIS first all-star team, and as well as the, the goaltender of the year award, uh, but what do you think contributed to your, your breakout season so much uh, and, and your personal success that year? I think, honestly, I think it was it was a, a bad second season, which helped my third season. I, <laughs> right. I had a good first year. Uh, the transition was really well. Second yeah. year, uh, you know, maybe a bit of comfort set in. There's a little bit of change in uh, on the personnel and the coaching stuff. And I right. I don't think I responded very well to that. And, and I didn't want to have another, another bad year. So, I, you know, that summer – Going into my third season, I, I put in a lot of work off on, on the ice, and I kind of reevaluated where, where I was at, and I needed to, or else I was, you know, and I already lost the starting job as a second year, and I, I yeah. wanted to get it back. So I, I had to make a bunch of changes on that. Um, and, you know, I had a good summer, and, and then I was just really dialed in for that third season. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And you kind of talk about you had to, you know, you started playing with a bit of a chip on your shoulder. What, what, what kind of happened, if you don't mind detailing a bit with the coach? Because obviously, at the next level, there's a lot of changes that go on, and, and I've even been a part of it too, and it can be kind of tough to work through. So maybe you can kind of share just some of, uh, you know, a bit of that adversity you faced and how you kind of overcame it. Yeah, no, like we just said, we, um, our one coach ended up taking another job in Europe, and we had an, our, our uh, kind of our sister coach jump in. And, and not that it was, he wasn't, he was a good coach. It just, it was a lot different for me. And I, yeah, again, I think, I don't even know if as much as the coach, I just think I just got a little bit comfortable too. And I might have thought that CS level was going to be easy. And, and you know, for you, as soon as you get comfortable, right, that's that's where yeah. things go sideways. So I, you know, a lot of things came into play there, but I definitely used that to get me back on track for the rest of my collegiate career there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the following year, you guys go on to win the uh, the CIS University National Championship. Uh, but maybe maybe just take us through some of the adversity you faced throughout that run. Obviously, uh, you know, everybody kind of just sees the, the the elite prospects and all the wins, but nobody sees kind of the hard times that you go through to kind of get there. So, you know, maybe maybe just detail some of the adversity you guys face throughout the year, even the playoffs, and how you're kind of able to, to persevere through that and bring home the championship. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, those, though, I mean, the, the adversity almost led up to those wins. I know, like, we were we were always at that national championship final or the tournament yeah. story, and we – we could just never get it done. My first year, we weren't even close. We got there, but we had a great year, but in the Nationals, we weren't even close. Second yeah. year, we stumbled, didn't even get there. And then the third year, we were really, really good. But again, we kind of, we, we didn't didn't quite have it to get it done. So I, I almost look at the adversity as not in those actual seasons, but leading up to it. And mm. we, had a, we had a bunch of, you know, fourth and fifth years in my fourth year when we won. And, and uh, you know, it was almost like we almost had a it's now or never kind of, kind of vision and and we've used that you know the adversities from the past and the experiences yeah. that we gained from losing to to help us get the win and i think it was just a mental roadblock for some of us too we just we didn't we didn't have a win at that tournament for two or three years and then we just kind of once we got one we were we settled in right so yeah um, but you know it was uh you know there's injuries and stuff and guys had to step up and we had some really, really good role players that were elevated into the first line and, and did a great job. So it was, you know, it all came together really nicely at the right time. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then kind of for your, you know, big games, obviously a lot of big games during the playoffs there, you played a lot of games and uh, a lot of playoff games and, you know, the WHL and, and even in CIS. Uh, but what were some of the things that you did, you know, even in the, in the national championship final, obviously game time anxiety is huge, right? Uh, but what are some things that you did or do to, to kind of manage that game time stress and anxiety during, you know, the championship games and playoffs, for example, like during your run? Yeah, no, really. Like those, that's the most pressure I've had in those couple of national championship games. So I think for me, yeah. it was, it, I mean, a little bit of breathing, a little bit of just kind of just, just trying to get the oxygen flowing through your body. So you're not all pent mm-hmm. up. And then, you know, the, the, the self-talk a little bit, I, I try not to do too much of that stuff, but it just a little, just enough to maintain a positive mind frame. And I always just go back to my, you know, you have to trust your training. You have to, you know, trust what you put in mm-hmm. up to that point that that's going to carry you through. And, I think that's, you know, championships aren't exactly won in that one game, you know, like technically right. they are, but it's the work you put in till that point <laughs> that's going to come come to fruition at, at the, the best opportunity. So, you know, a lot goes into those games. There's so many variables in a one shot, you know, one game when all the power play, hot goalie, whatever happens, bounces, right? So I think yeah. just trying to maintain a, a level head is, is huge. Yeah, what was, you know, if you don't mind detailing to us, like, when you know maybe detail to us like your post goal routine that you kind of did and some things that you said to yourself or like you know when things were kind of getting out of whack like what were some of the things that that you would say like you know you talked about the kind of that positive self-talk maybe you can share some of that yeah no no i just uh after a goal i always just grabbed a quick drink i wouldn't splash my face water or anything i have i always wear contacts so i don't want them to get all messed up but um (laughs) no i just quick drink i'd go for a loop uh into the corner and back and yeah. you know i just quickly reevaluate the goal if it was it it was it a real was it a stinker was it a bad one if so nothing i can do like shouldn't go in no but don't let the neck don't let that affect your next shot and mm-hmm. and if there was no chance if it was a great a chance and i you know would have taken an unbelievable save to, to make it you know I just let her go right like it yeah. the only bad things come from keep digging the hole right yeah 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 you can't uh can't let that hang over you because obviously you know even even in you know I mean, you look at guys' playoff numbers, you know, 1.5 this, 1.8 this, 9.3, 9.4 save percentage, you know, still giving up, you know, 20, 30 goals in the playoffs, right? So, obviously, you got to kind of come up with something that helps you turn that page a lot quicker, right? Totally, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then since retiring, you know, you've kind of – you've gone on to, you know, obviously coach several years at the the minor hockey tier two junior and – you know, the major junior levels, but for minor hockey players looking to, you know, transition to the next level this spring or, or this upcoming season, you know, where do you think most goalies are kind of lacking in their training right now that, that typically uh, gets neglected nowadays? I, you know what, I, I think I just take a look at it. Uh, um, for me, it's probably the movement skating piece. It's, it's not the most enjoyable thing for, for goalies to do. Some love it, yeah. some don't. And I think that would be one that, that uh you know might get pushed to the side a little bit too much when it really shouldn't and that's it's one of my main focuses as a coach so you know which we'll get to later but i think you know skating might be one that does get neglected a little bit just because again it's not the most enjoyable but there's creative ways that you can still still get a lot out of it right yeah 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 and then i guess when goalies are trying to typically transition to you know either the tier two or major junior levels like where do you typically see them struggle the most right now I think for me, it's it's probably the consistency part, part, and, and that's not mm. even anything technical. There might be some right. technical things that they can work on with that, but I, you see a guy throw up, a, you know, a shutout on thirty saves, and then he gets yanked the next game, right? And that's <laughs> it's just you know finding that the the ability to be you know really good more more often than not, and and there's you know again the pace of play for me was always one that was tough. That you know 
they're always chasing the game or they're 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 not set and whatnot. So I think that plays into it. But right. you know, the the more obviously everybody likes to consistent goalies, and that's what uh, yeah. so a goaltender we strive to be, right? What what do you think kind of contributes so much to that consistency? Is 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 kind of like you know goalies should be using minor hockey, junior hockey to kind of develop their routines and stuff. Like what what really contributes to that consistency? You think? Yeah, no, I think routines a big part of it. The mental side we talked about already is a big part of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think just having a good understanding of the position. You know what you need to be doing. Your skating has got to be good. You know your your positioning, your puck tracking has to be has to be appropriate for the level you're at, right? So, you know, I think, but you're right, it doesn't just start at junior. You can't just be non-consistent in minor hockey and then flip the consistency switch. Right, you know, exactly. It's, you get, it takes years and years of working at it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know, for goalies looking, uh, for goalies at home looking to make that transition to junior hockey in the near future, you know, what's some advice you have for them to, to, to prepare them for the challenges that lie ahead of them at that level? Yeah, I would, again, it starts at a young age and I would, I would have a detailed plan of your development, whether you worked out and work on that alone or with the, with the goalie coach you work with or a mentor, you know, map out your season, map out your off season when, you know, always self-evaluate and what, what do you need to do to get better, right? It's, I find a lot of goalies and, and players in defense too, it's really easy to point fingers and, you know, the, the you know, my teammate could have done this or that, but I think the self-evaluation and assessment part is that, that's the part that, you know, if you know what you need to work on, you know, when you're, out at practice or you know with your buddies you're you're still yeah. you're still working on things right so i think knowing what to work on is is a huge piece that you know can be difficult if you if you don't understand the position that well you just come out there and stop pucks but if you can kind of identify what you need to work on that's where you'll really see your gains right yeah absolutely and now we're going to kind of dive into your you know your personal coaching philosophy a little bit and uh, you know break it down so maybe you can just share with us and you kind of mentioned skating as one but you know share with us your three or four pillars you surround your coaching and, and kind of playing philosophy around and you know why you think they're so important yeah no totally yeah no skating is the first and foremost i i think you you got to build a skate. You got to build a move around the net, and that's you know on your feet. That's with your edges. You know that that comes in many different forms. And I think you know big, small doesn't matter. You need to be able to move. And I I'd look at one of the you know the you know the, probably the two of the better goalies I've worked with. Uh, Carter Guylander got drafted by the Detroit Red Wings two two NHL drafts ago. He's a six five goalie, and yeah. uh, Sebastian Coast on the Oil Kings right now. He's six foot six, um, and he's slated to be a first round draft pick really this July. So. Those are the two of the biggest goalies I work with, um, and they're I'd put them they're skating up with the five foot five goalie, you know, or six foot goalie. So, wow. I, I it's just something I've always had a lot of emphasis on um, growing up for those guys, and and uh, you know they got to their height, which is awesome, but they weren't six foot six, you know, at, at Pee Wee, right? Like they. Right. They were always been good skaters right from day one, and they were just fortunate to get that height. Yeah, yeah, and then what, what, your other two or three of uh, pillars a part of your strategy. One is is positioning, and we have to be a good positional goalie. You know that starts obviously by being in the right angle. Um, you know, being square to the shooter, and then your depth is always going to be managed based on what you read and what situations are are presented. Right. So I think you know skating, positioning are, are the two of the, the biggest ones, and then obviously. Puck tracking is, you know, been the buzzword the last five, ten years or so, and, and that, you know, that's our eyes and our vision is everything as a goaltender as well. You know, we need to see the release really clean and, and you know, work off that shot, shot release as best we can, and that's only going to improve your rebound control. You know, it's only going to improve how, how many saves you actually make as well. So, those three things for me are, or they can be applied at every level. You know, you can work on those with eight-year-olds or pros and, yeah. and they need to be you know you need to excel at, at the junior level to have some uh, 
success there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And, you know, you say your first one skating and we kind of like to dive in a bit, like, uh, you know, everybody does, you know, does theirs a little differently. So, you know, what kind of drills uh, do you design and develop? Obviously there's kind of a bit, there's been a, this uptick in what we would call like unconventional skating and stuff like that, but maybe you can just detail like what kind of drills or what kind of uh, skating routines you do with your guys on a weekly basis to help them develop that better. Yeah, no, I, I, I get into a little bit of the unconventional stuff just around some edge work. Not, nothing crazy. I, I try to yeah. keep my coaching not too gimmicky. I see a lot of stuff out there and, and that's just my style. I try and put it more game like situations, but for my skating, I, I'll do a little bit, do a little bit, um, you know, with pucks, but I like to do a lot of drills that that will incorporate a lot of skating, but you still get shots, right? But but make the the skating almost the most important piece. So there might be two or three passes and then a shot, or mm. you know, a shot with a few recoveries and whatnot. So just to get different looks in the skating. So that's one way to just keep the kids engaged, where it's not just skating with pucks, especially at the younger level where where kids just want to save pucks all the time, right? So yeah. you got to find a balance there for sure. Yeah, I know. That's, that's interesting. I haven't heard of a, a lot of guys who, you know, it's it's usually like a, a one pass and then like a shot, right? So you're yeah. saying for your drills, you actually add in a significant amount of skating before the shot. Yeah. And there's been like, there's like a one drill I do, it's just kind of set up almost like a triangle, like, a, you know, maybe a shooter top of each circle, then one kind of where that quarterback um, a power play would be. And yeah. I've done one and, you know, for the most more advanced goals, but it'd be, it'd be five random passes and then a shot. So you just pass the puck to five guys we back forth across whatever however you want to work it and then after the fifth pass you you get a shot so you know the, the yeah. majority is movement and then you you know you still get to see the puck after for for a quick save but it's a it's a good one you know especially in the older better goalies you can do some one touch passes and make it a little harder yeah, yeah. too right so yeah yeah and then and then you also brought up positioning and and you know everybody kind of has a, a bit of a different theory around positioning so maybe you can kind of you know go a little deeper into your positioning theory and what are kind of the core core concepts that you build the, your goalies positioning around yeah no angle is pretty straightforward obviously we need to be you know in the right spot essentially um and, and square too i think you need to you know your hips shoulders at the shooter as soon as we pull away or you're not square anymore that's where yeah. you holes open up and breakdowns happen right so those are those are two pretty straightforward ones the depth piece you know how much you would challenge right. a shooter is is the very is the biggest variable right if there's obviously mm. there's a backdoor threat we're not going to be really aggressive we might need to back up a bit and vice versa if it's a one-on-two off the rush we might come way out and challenge and be aggressive so there's that one is you know it's solely based on your reads and that might be the most challenging one you look you look at highlights every night on the nhl goalies even you know, lateral pass goes and they got no chance. Well, it's probably because they're maybe a little too aggressive. So mm. there's, it's a, you know, depth is, it's a fun one to play with and you really challenge the goalies in, in many ways there. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you kind of bring depth up as, as a very large variable. Cause I think a lot of people on the show have said otherwise. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a smaller guy, so I kind of learned early on that my depth was sort of my my biggest advantage of like hey how quickly can I take ice to play bigger than my size right so you know regarding that depth uh maybe you can just go a little little bit deeper just because I I I don't think enough people have kind of talked about that on the show and and developing sort of uh this idea of like crease management right maybe you can kind of dive into that yeah well no it's it's a good i think we could talk about this for a long time and i think um yeah i think i think depth really it depends on a few things your reads obviously what you see and what what you can take for depth but i think it's your ability to move right like it goes back to the skating piece if you're a good skater you're you're gonna allow yourself to play a lot more aggressively if you're not a good skater you're gonna have to play deeper 
deeper in your crease, you know, just so if there is a pass, you can, you can be mobile still. So I think, you know, there's certain situations where I don't even know if it is a, a height thing for me. Um, you know, some of the smaller guys, absolutely. Like usually smaller goalies are better removers as well. So that's going to allow yeah. them to come out. But some of my like posts at six foot six, like I'm, I want him to be aggressive because I know that he, yeah, can, yeah. he can get back there. Right. So yeah, but, uh, it's again, it's, it's, it's a big variable, like we said, um, but that that's just goalie IQ and hockey IQ or for, for whatever you want to call it. Right. You just got to be able to read the play and see what, you know, what situations are present there. Yeah. And then I guess finally, you know, you kind of talked about uh, a puck tracking, um, but how do you kind of, maybe you can, you know, just detail a bit, uh, you know, this, this, obviously you said it's been a, a kind of a buzzword, but what kind of tracking means to you? And then, you know, how do you develop that better and how do you utilize that the best? What are some drills that you do with your goalies? Yeah, no. So, I mean, tracking has been coming to the forefront for goal for goaltending for a little bit now, but I, I think it, for me, it always starts at the shot release. We need to be able to mm. see that as clean as we can. Um, and, and that's where we start tracking puck. As soon as the puck leaves their stick, that's where we're tracking starting. So mm. that's, that's probably the most important piece for me. Um, and then I always say we need to track pucks to contact. So, you know, where that puck is, you know, it's going to hit you or your stick, whatever it's going to hit, that's the, the contact piece. And sometimes yeah. the play is dead there. You track it well, you keep it in your body, your glove. Um, and sometimes there's a rebound and that's just your, you need to see it out as well. Your post save recoveries is what we call it. So, you know, you're, you know, you make your save and now you're watching out and you're, you're starting to move again. And it goes back to skating piece on skating to your new position. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, for, for drills, I just, especially, I like to track it early on in sessions. It just, it's a good warm up, but it gets the goal guy, the goalie's, um, eyes going as well. And just simple shots. Um, I like to get them to start right with their, some cradles just to see it right to their mid, yeah. their mid section and, and expand from there, maybe into some you know, glove save, block save, stick saves. I think sticks are, are important obviously for, for rebound control, but that's the, you know, that's the furthest your eyes are going to travel to is to the ice. Right. So yeah, I think, yeah. uh, you know, there's a variety of ways to do it. That's just a few that I like to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, maybe you can kind of share with us, you know, one or two hacks that, um, you know, you use or have developed with your goalies that have helped them uh, find success much quicker. Um, a couple things. I think obviously video is a huge resource. I, I love to use it. Um, I, I always have an iPad when I'm on the ice with me. Right. Um, it's, it's nice to just give a quick instant feedback if they're, if they're struggling on something is no, there's no worse thing you can do to goalie that is for an hour session, say you just continually make a bad habit even worse. But if you can show them with, with some video and maybe they clue in on, on seeing it, that that might help them, you know, fix it a little bit quicker. Um, so I think video is a huge resource. Um, you know, it can be overused as well. So I definitely try not to do that, but um, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a good resource to have. And just a smaller hack, I guess we could call it. I, if I'm doing a goalie session or in a camp, I, you know, if I'm bringing, if there's a group of two or three goalies, I'm bringing one to the net for feedback. I always bring both or all, all, all the goalies with me, you know, two or three of them just so they can learn as a group, not just when you're in the net. Right. So I yeah. think the collaboration, you know, usually goalies are paired up with their, similar skill and whatnot, but I think, uh, I think working together as a collective group of goaltenders goes a long way. And I try and try and make that the approach. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying the video typically helps, right? You're in there, you kind of don't feel it and you kind of, kind of see yourself making the mistake and then you can kind of go out there and force that a little bit to work through that kind of that, that, uh, the ditch in your mind kind of thing. Right. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Curtis, you have any last words of advice for, for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? Yeah, no, I, first of all, I appreciate you bringing me on for this. Um, 
you know, an advice for, for goaltenders. I, I just think, you know, it's uh it's, it's a big picture game and, you know, it, you don't need to be really, really good early on. You know, you, you just want to time it to whatever your goals might be. And some, some goalies want to play tier one. Maybe that's, that's their ceiling or maybe some, some goalies it's going to be triple A or junior or professional hockey. And I think, you know, it, it is a long, long-term development game for, for some goaltenders and, and some of their path is expedited. Some have a really easy one that, they're always on good teams and they're always playing well with yeah. good numbers. Right. But, you know, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, late bloomers of uh, come up and, and, you know, I, I just think trust your training, make sure you put in the work, have a game plan and, and, you know, continually self-evaluate what, mm-hmm. you know, what you need to be working on. And if you truly know what you need to work on and improve, you know, you'll, you'll find your way to get there. So that's kind of just a few yeah. words I'd say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach Muka, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and, and always love bringing on guests who, you know, have that coaching and playing experience at the next level. And I know your vice today will just be uh, invaluable to everyone. So I can't thank you enough for coming on today and taking some time. But can you just let uh, people know where they can get in touch with you online? Yep, no, absolutely. absolutely. Um, my website is just Uh Curtis is with a K. Uh, do a little bit of Instagram stuff as well. Um, my posts have been a lot less since COVID just for – security reasons almost i don't want to get in trouble if i post anything but uh you know twitter and instagram are are out there as well and just try and stay a little bit active on that on that stuff for sure yeah so go check out curtis muka and all the links will will be available in the show notes if uh, if you want to go check out his school and and everything he does with the oil kings as well and he's experienced tons of success at the next level for over 15 years now and I know him and his goalies and his teams, you know, have a bright future ahead of them. So maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. I know you're kind of in uh, tough circumstances right now. Yeah, no, for sure. Anytime, guys. All right. Well, I'm, I'm grateful you're coming on, man. Uh, uh, God bless uh, you and your daughter. Hope she's all right, man. Good luck as we roll into the spring. You know, take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have another awesome active goaltender lined up to come on to the show. ECHL starter and veteran who's absolutely lighting up this season so far in pro. And that's Jake Patterson. And Jake is an incredible guy. I've had an opportunity to skate with and work with on on many occasions great guy for for a long time now we've known each other but uh, i know you guys aren't going to want to miss this one so make sure to tune back next week without further ado here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the goalie hacks podcast and just as a note here if you enter into this giveaway even if you don't win uh, we select four winners a month and and that includes books uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.